Greetings. This is me and Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds doing another podcast painting film on the 4th, I think it's the 4th of June, how is that even possible? 2023. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if Nick and I can share a, share a stage here. <laughs> We're gonna find out. I'm just really drawn to have this music in the background. I'm gonna turn it down just a little. Oh, it's just so poetic. It's so strange and beautiful. So, as you can see, I am <laughs> painting something previously drawn black because my understanding of the synodic cycle of Venus has grown today. Each of these doesn't have to be perfect because it's going to get a golden outline. Each of these circles will be a synodic, a synodic cycle, will represent a synodic cycle of one of the five visible planets. Uh, here are three. There's two down below, one up above that I believe I'm going to illustrate the moon on. But this one is Venus. So this one is Venus and the reason I'm starting with Venus, even though the closest planet to the sun is Mercury, is because Venus is at the top of my chart. So we're starting here. Such a pretty album. So this is Nick Cave's, I believe his newest album. It's quite new. It's called Ghostine. And we started it at the beginning. I will have to turn it down. I, t I tried to turn it down a moment ago and I turned it back up. So pretty. Not only am I trying to make a podcast, not only am I trying to speak and paint at the same time, speak in a way that is compelling, but I'm also listening to music with lyrics. Well, because I do this on my own, and I'm compelled to share that experience with you because that's when 
I am truly in the present moment. I can hear. I can receive wisdom, insight, information. So the synodic cycles, okay, at least the inner planets, the synodic cycles of, okay, what is a synodic cycle? <laughs> a synodic cycle, I'm tempted to pull out this little book and give you a visual. Uh, because when people talk about synodic cycles, it, unless you're an astrologer, it really turns on the snooze button. It's like just hitting the snooze button. All right, I am turning back over, taking nine more minutes. <sighs> If you're an astrologer, of course, it's thrilling. But um, this little book that I'm going to pull out in a moment is called The Little Book of Coincidences by John Martineau. And he gives these incredible visuals. Most of you have probably seen the one of Venus and the Earth moving around the sun. And um, it creates a flower, um, five-petaled flower. Depending on how you draw it, it can be visualized as a star pentagram. And uh, all the planets do this, and all the, the designs are different. That they all the designs that they make so this basically the so what we can say visually is the synodic what we can say visually we're just going to stick with that because i'm an artist is that the synodic cycle is the the mathematical or frequency interaction between the sun and the earth and another body so you know, we're seeing it from Earth, so we say, oh, the synodic cycle of Venus is the interaction of Venus and the Sun, but it's it's really Venus and the Earth and the Sun. And I'm not going to get headier than that. But let me go grab this book. designs oh and the back just gives you the perfect illustration oh my god okay so crying out loud this is this is what our solar system does this is what our solar system does. 
We did not make up the significance of the pentagram. The pentagram doesn't belong to the devil. <laughs> and if it does belong to the devil, that's really fine. It's not gonna hurt the pentagram. It's not gonna hurt us. I'm just giving you the visual. This is not for your brain. This is for your heart. To recognize the symmetry that we live within, that we were born within, that we will die within. Cradled, nestled, woven, completely held. Forever and always, all of eternity. So get that book, support that guy. I know he's writing another one and maybe it's already out. I should check. I really want to read it because he's learned, he's observed new patterns <laughs> on this pattern, infinitely patterned world where we live. So I, I thought, I don't really know what to talk about today, but I really enjoyed what I did last week, so I'll do that again. Because when I'm painting, as I said, I'm in the present moment. And that's when I get all my best ideas and revelations. And If I give them to you, if I get them and I write them down or <clears throat> put them in a painting, put them in the painting, which they're always in the painting, but then you get it secondhand. I don't know if anything great will come through today, but if I keep doing this, it will happen. Now, I'm going to talk about paint for a minute. This black here that we did last time. I haven't put pearls on these little circles yet, but they'll all be little pearls. There's 360 of them. Well, there's not actually 360 of them because uh, these are invisible. These right here and, uh, and these right here. But this, is, this black is ink and this black is acrylic paint. It's just a constant, let me turn this down again. Oh, Nick. It's a constant conflict for me between ink and acrylics sometimes because I just love ink. It's all I ever wanna use, but there are certain aspects of it that are not functional. For instance, if I were to ink this circle right now, black. It'd be so beautiful. And, and mostly when you can tell is once it dries and at certain angles, it, it just has a different quality, has a different visual quality. Now, this is a matte black, which I prefer to a shiny black or semi, even semi-gloss, but it's uh, because ink is not glossy, but it's rich, it's so rich and vibrant. And 
at certain angles, this is flat. And I never varnished my paintings. Well, I did once, but then I never did it again because it's just so chemical. It feels bad to use it. I don't want the painting in my house because it's off gassing. So So I use acrylic, and um, I've thought about using shellac or some other kind of natural varnish. I haven't ventured. It's another thing you can tell me if, if you know a solution to this problem. Oh, because the reason is with ink, I'm going to write on top of this. And with ink, I'm going to ink on top of this. <laughs> and if, I, if you ink on top of ink, it all bleeds together. And acrylic is just so lovely for creating a non-permeable pigment. It will not bleed into whatever you put on top of it. So it's one of the reasons that I use, I only use acrylic when I want its function, and it is very functional. See, I mean, this is already dry, and you saw me paint it. So what we're going to do next is... We checked in the room and We're going to do a quick golden outline. I don't want to smudge it. And then we're going to illustrate the Venus points. So let me talk about that. Um, this pen is not ideal. And this is so funny. I'm totally not going to record this. I mean, share this. Just, I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Maybe we'll keep going. Okay, what I've just done. What I've just done, and here you can see me trying to solve it. So much of my life has this on it because I'll get some pigment or another on my pens and then I can't get them to work. So I have all of these. <laughs> Damn it. Did I just ruin my pen? Oh, maybe it's out. It worked just fine though before. I think it's out. Well, shit. Listen to Nick Cave for a minute. Let me see if I can find another one. Uh, I left it at... We sent down the 
We're not going to outline it. We're going to outline it later. What we're going to do is put the Venus points on it. All right. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to illustrate the Venus points like the moon phases. They're not visually like the moon phases. They're not even cyclically like the moon phases, but this came to me in sleep this morning and I'm gonna go for it. I'm going to do this piece. I'm gonna do each, let me keep this facing down. I'm gonna do each planet's cycle. I'm gonna figure it out as I go and see what comes of it. And by the time I, finish this piece, I'll know what I'm doing. Because the way that I don't operate is to sit in front of my computer all day. I already sat in front of my computer too long today to figure this out. And uh, just figuring things out and sitting still and not moving my body and not creating anything out of what I'm taking in. That is not how I learn and thrive. So I recognize that this piece may end up being on some levels incorrect but um i'm going with my intuition and i'm learning as i go so you can learn as i go with me if you would like so we are illustrating the cycles of venus as moon phases and um so the moon goes around the earth but Venus does not go around the Earth. Venus goes around the Sun. So as the Moon goes around the Earth and changes its relationship also to the Sun, the Earth casts a shadow on... No, no, the, no, it's the Moon's own shadow. See, we just don't know this stuff. It's astounding how much we don't know about basic celestial mechanics. The moon casts its own shadow on itself as it moves around the earth in relationship to the sun. I believe that's how it goes. Anyway, that's how you see the, the varying shapes of the moon. But Venus is not going around the earth. So this is, it doesn't have consistent you know, full, full light crescents quarter phases. 
It does disappear when it goes behind the sun and when it goes in front of the sun and when it gets even near the sun. And that will be illustrated here. But it's, it, is, it is perceived as going around us and it is cyclical. We experience it from our perspective here on Earth. So those are some of the reasons why I'm going with this idea of the moon phases. So when I was born, Venus, okay, so next, well, we're going to illustrate here. Okay, okay. Blah, 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 blah. Here, we're going to do it like this. That is the dark phase of Venus, like the dark phase of the moon. This is, this is the end and the beginning. This has ended the last cycle and is beginning the new cycle. And but what's happening here, which is different than <clears throat> the dark moon, is that Venus is actually not at all different than a dark moon. <laughs> Venus. Venus here will be different than a dark moon. Here, at the beginning, Venus is in between the Earth and the Sun. This is the closest Venus ever gets to us. And let me tell you, it's close. There's a really cool platform and also app called Solar System Scope. And you can program dates on it and watch the movement of the planets on any date and at different speeds and from really far out and also really close in like you can just look at the inner planets if you want and it helps to understand the astrological chart because the reason why sometimes venus is conjunct the sun retrograde and sometimes venus is conjunct the sun direct is to do with what is happening in 360 degrees because Venus doesn't revolve around us. Venus revolves around the sun. And it's really hard to visualize on a two-dimensional chart wheel. So this is one of my favorite tools. And there are other software systems for it. But this one's free. It's easy to use. It's lovely. And you can... You can go above it. You can go beside it. You can go all the way around it. You can go below it. Like, you can go... You can just go in all these different directions and look at the movement of the solar system. Okay, so this is the birth of Venus. Venus is in the heart of the sun, Kazemi. Venus is the closest to us she ever gets. She's supercharged by the sun. Very, very, very potent, precious birth moment. Obviously, we were not all born at that moment. I was not born at that moment. But the one that happened closest to your birth, not after your birth, even if it happened two days after your birth, that's not your Venus star point. The one that happened before your birth, closest to your birth, but before, is your Venus star point. And 
so okay so the venus star that i'm mentioning the pentagram is always moving across around the zodiac and for huge periods of time is just hitting one sign over and over and over and over and over whenever it goes retrograde and makes this conjunction so mine is in scorpio so let's see if this pen is still going to cooperate with me Next, <clears throat> Venus is, so here Venus goes behind the sun, and when she emerges, she's a morning star. She's showing up in the morning, and she emerges very close to the sun, and further and further and further away from the sun. The further away from the sun she gets, the more visible she is. Oh, something I meant to look up before. I filmed this. Um, I only saw it for the first time, this recent maximum elongation. Venus was far away enough from the sun that you could see her before the sunset in a blue sky. It's, it's just so potent. It's just mind-blowingly potent. So at that point of maximum elongation, as a morning star, I'm not sure if this is correct, but I know that, that the morning star phase is the next phase, and my thought is that it would be maximum elongation. So that happens for me, for my Venus star point. That happens in January. This happens in November. The maximum elongation. So I'm going to illustrate this like a quarter moon. And since I got a little smudge on that side, I'll fill out the darkness on that side. Or maybe that's light, I don't know. I think, yeah, that's dark. Black is dark, gold is light. And uh, that happens in Sagittarius in January of my birth year. And then I'm born in February, so am I gonna draw that? It's hard. It's so, it's such a subtle difference from this. Uh, yeah, I'm going to draw it. So here's February. Here's my, so this is my Venus phase. This is my Venus phase. It's just a teeny bit imperceptible, but I'm going to make it perceptible for this illustration. Uh, just a teeny darker on the other side of the max point. Like over here would be a teeny bit more darker, but it's getting lighter. Here's a teeny bit more darker, but and it's getting darker. If it were the moon, but it's not. Okay. Um, so it's going to be, yeah, just a tiny bit of a crescent, like very, very, very gibbous. And this happens in Capricorn. This is why I had to make the whole thing black. 
because I definitely have not discerned this pattern yet. Wait, do you see the whole thing? I'm just, I think you're gonna have to look at a bit really large lens to discern the pattern. Okay, so over here, this is the next Venus-Sun conjunction. This is called, okay, so this conjunction is called inferior, and this conjunction is called superior, which I think is unnecessarily quantitative. So I like to call this one the exterior, because it's on the other side of the sun, away from us. And this one the interior, because this, this is the closest Venus gets to us. This is the furthest away Venus gets to us, and Venus is totally blocked. I'm illustrating this as a full moon. Uh, they're different. They're, they're different. The moon is not on the other side of the sun during a full moon. The moon is on the other side of the earth. But this is just for my illustration and we'll see how it unfolds over the years. Th so this happens, the next, it, same year in August, is the next conjunction, which is the exterior conjunction, which means Earth, Sun, then Venus, so far away. I had a doozy of an experience this past year in October um, that showed me how mercilessly painful this time can manifest for some. It wasn't for me, but it was very close in. Very, very close in. It was, it was astoundingly dramatic. Okay, and then up here, I'm illustrating as the third quarter moon. And this, okay, so uh, after this conjunction, when Venus emerges, she's an evening star. not the most symmetrical circle I've ever drawn. And that happens for me the next following year in Taurus. I mean, what kind of fucking pattern is that? Scorpio. Virgo. I really appreciate visually how these are the two most similar glyphs. <laughs> but they're, you know, they're they're at sextile to each other on a regular wheel. And then these two are are quinkunks to each other. But the numbers don't match up at all if I were to put the actual numbers on here, but I'm not gonna do that. Let's see if I can do this circle now. Let's see if my pen's gonna relax. Maybe it just got a little bit of ink on it and she just said, no way, bitch. Okay, it's working. Anything else to talk about right now? It's actually been a really emotional day for me. And I don't really want to create a podcast where I'm sharing my emotions. 
Unless you're really, really good at that, it, nobody wants to hear it. Until you get distance, then you can make art out of it. Like Sir Nick Cave in the background. If you ever get a chance to see him live, take it. Can't recommend it highly enough. Okay, we're at an interlude with the Nick Cave album. So it'll come on in a minute or so, but I remembered what I wanted, one of the things I wanted to talk about, which is some observations that I have made around qualitative or experiential differences between Venus and Mercury. And the planet that allowed me to discern this, the planet that really turned up the volume of these two characters, Venus and Mercury, in recent months for me, is of course Uranus, who is conjunct Mercury or conjunct by Mercury today. And a couple months ago, Venus conjunct Mercury, <laughs> pardon, Venus conjunct Uranus around the middle of Taurus. And then Mercury ran right up to Uranus and Taurus almost conjunct, I think within a degree, and then backed up to retrograde. So it's been an extended experience of the energy of, for me, for me, this is how I experienced this Mercury retrograde was turned way the fuck up because of Uranus, like Uranus amplified the energy of both of them. And I experience Uranus as quite electric. So I experienced these past couple of months, both Mercury and Venus in my nervous system. This all happened in my first house. So it really came through for me physically. Also Taurus. Um, I kind of want to make this line thicker. That's boring to watch though. I might do that later. And I haven't decided yet how I'm going to differentiate each of these rings, each of these cycles. Like this is Venus and you know it is because I've told you, but you wouldn't know any other way. So that will get differentiated, but not yet. What I'm going to do right now with some of the black paint, I put way too much black paint. What I'm gonna do right now is paint this one black because I know that at least these two will be black because this will be Mercury. But this will be Mars, who is outside of the orbit of Earth. So I'm not sure yet if I'm gonna want that ring. Uh, the divisions, the zodiac divisions. But I'm gonna paint this one black and then we might do the pearls. Okay, 
so what I said today, what uh, this is another thing that came to me in my sleep a couple nights ago, and then I, I said it in a, a post today that the, that the difference between Venus and Mercury is like the difference between the cacao plant and the coffea plant. So most people are under the impression <laughs> that caffeine, that um, cacao has a lot of caffeine in it. It doesn't. It has a tiny, 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 tiny amount of caffeine in it. The main alkaloid present in the cacao plant is theobromine, which is molecularly quite similar. I believe it's uh, just one molecule, one, uh, one atom, am I saying that correctly? The molecule has one atom in a different position from caffeine. They're very, very similar, and they're both stimulants. But theobromine is a heart stimulant. It goes directly to the heart. It does not stimulate your brain or the other parts of your central nervous system, just the heart. And I think we all know that. <laughs> Advertisers know that. Humanity knows that. How do we know that? Because we feel it. It's the same way we feel Venus as love. Everybody knows that. We know that instinctively. Why do we associate the five-petaled rose with Venus? <gasps> we just knew. We just knew. So, yeah, Venus is like theobromine. And I experienced that in my body. I believe it was April, maybe in March, end of March, beginning of April. Very, 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 very physical experiences of that conjunction of Venus with Uranus in my heart. And it echoed, it lasted. And I knew Mercury was there too, so I was really paying very close attention because of the experience that I was having. And um, it really dissipated when Venus left Taurus. It took that long for it to really dissipate. Um, the heart stimulation, but so caffeine, which is the primary and maybe only, no, coffee has other alkaloids. Anyway, definitely the primary alkaloid and we all know it. And coffee is caffeine and caffeine is a central nervous system stimulate, stimulant that's getting your whole, it's just lighting up your whole nervous system, including your heart, but not just your heart. And so I experienced this energy dissipate from being just experienced 
primarily in my heart to, to spreading out through my whole nervous system. And um, it's been very similar, like getting a chocolate high compared to getting a coffee high. It's similar, but also very different. So that's really all I wanted to say about that. Way too much paint came out because I turned it upside down. I turned the paint bottle upside down. This is acrylic again because I didn't want it to fart. <laughs> I don't really want it to make a farting sound. <laughs> but then I talked about it anyway. All right, I have to get water. Oh, here's my water. Good staging, Eve. Good staging. There's another topic that I hesitate, <laughs> putting it mildly, okay, to speak on. These are the two brushes I'm deciding between. Focus, camera, focus. Doesn't want to focus. Well, see, this one is bigger, but it comes to more of a point. This one will come to a point when it gets wet, but I'm gonna, we're going to do these pearls. is pearl, pearly acrylic paint. Love technology. Love it. Okay. Um, is it going to work? Because it needs to just be able to be dot, dot. I think I'm going to have to dip it in the paint for every dot. Ooh, this might not be good for the camera. The topic that I'm hesitating on speaking on is pretty much all topics, you know, so I'm breaking through that, so here goes. This one's kind of my, my big thing, and uh, certainly not the only one, but I am one of the ones who has not been brave enough to say what I got what I see. I don't even know how to organize it. It's not something I speak out loud. God, give me something else to say. I want to talk about that. I'm not sure, but I think I'm going to have to paint the black on this room because the canvas was just really hard to get the ink pen into. Alright, here goes. I'm going to quote a poem that I wrote, which I think is the best thing I've ever written. And then I'm going to talk about it. You hear that buzzing? That's my fly. I decided, because it's windows, it's the time of year when the windows come open. It's not hot enough for air conditioning yet. It's the perfect time of year, but then the flies come in. And I decided to believe, <laughs> you like that? 
I decided to believe that flies carry some health benefit. Some bacteria that they carry is important for us. And if we didn't have it, we would be at a disadvantage. And so when a fly who has been eating the dog poop next door flies in my window and lands on my sandwich, I accept it. Say yes, yes little fly. Thank you for your symbiosis with my bacterial colonies. Thank you for balancing me out. <laughs> oh man, what I just said would drive a scientist crazy, given that you don't want to put poop bacterias on your sandwich. But maybe the fly changes the bacteria in some way. You know? Like bees. Like bee pollen. Honey is just this regurgitation of the nectar that the bee has gathered from the flower. Alright, here's a poem. Ready? This might get deleted. I'm going to speak a poem while Nick Cave is speaking a different poem in the background. <sighs> Man, it's hard. All right, ready? Here goes. I've written it, I've shared it online, but I have not spoken it or spoken to it. Let me say before I speak the poem. <laughs> oh, how many people have just turned this off? Okay. Just practice. Everything that I do is practice. I would never be brave enough to do it if I didn't think of it as practice. It's just practice that I'm sharing with the world. All right, Nick, I have to turn you down. Oh, but it's so good. A photon released from the dying star. We are fireflies, the child is trapped in a jar. Oh. Okay. I am your ocean. Your name spelled in a cresting wave. Again, in tumult, again in trenches, I am your terror, I am your bliss, you run from me, towards me, you beg for this oblivion, and then you turn away swallowed, surrounded. My patience a grave. 
with your name spelled in stars. Oh, that's very beautiful. That's very intense. What's that about, Eve? Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> since you asked. <laughs> this poem is about, honestly, what I want to say, what's coming to me right now, this poem is about the bravery of the masculine. I have all my life been in love with the sea and the stars, ships, sailors, mermaids, giant waves, maps, sea monsters, whales, get the idea. And from time to time, I get on a kick and I paint them. The fly is just such an attractive background sound to what I'm sharing right now. Oh, and the muffler. Very sensitive to sound. And I just don't care enough right now to sound edit my work with these podcasts. I'm just getting it going. If I get all caught up in making it be making it perfect, I won't do it. So at some point, I'll hire somebody to do it. <laughs> and until then, it's just it's very raw, which has its own beauty. Oh, that's the thing about this paint. It draws, it dries very flat. Oh. But you can see it even from there coming up, showing up. It's so pretty. I'm gonna have to get in these cracks real, uh, real technical. Fill out that black. Maybe it's fine. Like when I look at it from there, it looks just, just fine. So, God, this is so intense, but we live in a place and time where to be a woman is to be afraid. It is to be threatened. It is to be told from as far back as you can remember that you must keep your beauty under wraps or someone will rape you and you will deserve it. You will have asked for it. And to live a life where 
You don't know what it is to not self-preserve and self-protect and look out for yourself when you're in public. We have been taught that we have reason to be afraid that the male sex is power and the female sex is weakness. But the truth is to enter a woman is to enter another realm. To enter an ocean as a ship enters an ocean with no mooring. And hope that she lets you live through it. Inside the body of a woman is a portal that leads somewhere else. We don't know where. We know so much, but we don't know that. Every woman that walks the earth holds this power in her body. And we don't understand it. We are terrified of it. We are terrified of ourselves. And we inflict great terror in those who wish to enter us. For they cannot resist. They were made somewhere else by someone or something else we do not know to be this way. To be subservient to us in this way. And the response to that is the instinct to dominate. And the correction to this is not that women dominate instead of men. The correction is worship. I worship you for your bravery. 
You worship me for my mystery. That's what that poem is about. Is cracking every time I move it. I hope that hasn't been happening the whole time. But better cracking and moving than getting tense and sore, which is what happened after last week's podcast. Look at that. Look how pretty that is. some scripture come to mind this week. I don't remember where it is, but uh, one of the Gospels. I think, I think Jesus actually said this. I think this is words in red. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? The other one is Song of Solomon. If a man gave for love his whole house, he would be utterly despised. Crack. Yeah, last week when I did this, my arm got real sore, so I've been, because I think I was concentrating so hard on talking that I was not doing a good job of relaxing my body as I paint, and I was tense. Alright, I'm going to end it here. Thank you for listening. This is Eve with the Song of the Spheres podcast and painting film. Until next time.